In 2018, the Wealth Standard Podcast broke down the year into three seasons, each focusing on a principle from the inspired works of philosopher John Locke, specifically his philosophy on life, liberty, and property. In 2019, we progressed from principle to the ideal environment for building wealth and achieving prosperity. The theme was laissez-faire capitalism. For season two, it continues. The theme is entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship and how you apply the principles and environment to the individual. The guests ranging from economists to entrepreneurs to political influencers, authors, and more will teach you how to take your life to the next level. Now, on to the next episode. Hey everyone, Patrick here. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Wealth Standard Podcast and this season where we are talking about entrepreneurship. I have no one better to talk about that subject than Dr. Greg S. Reed. He is our guest today. All right, everyone. So Greg Reed is the author of Think and Grow Rich series and the founder of The Secret Knock Event. He is the New York Times bestselling author of Three Feet from Gold, which he wrote with uh, Sharon Lecter. Also, Thoughts Are Things, who he wrote with uh, Bob Proctor, and Stickability, The Power of Perseverance. And his new book, Wealth Made Easy, is essentially a big paradigm shift for Greg. I really enjoyed the interview, and I think you guys are as well, because there's lots of counterintuitive ideas that we bring up in some of the discoveries that he made, where he basically calls into question a lot of the ways in which he's taught about wealth and pursuing your purpose and pursuing your dreams that uh, may not be as true as you think. And so I think you guys are going to enjoy this uh, this brief interview. Make sure you head over to uh, YouTube and get the links through the show notes. And I'm going to uh, provide some commentary in addition to obviously the, the interview itself, but just some commentary and some thoughts, things that I learned from the interview. So make sure you head over to uh, youtube.com, just search uh, the Wealth Standard Podcast. You should see our channel come up. Okay, now on to my uh, interview with Dr. Greg S. Reed. Greg, it's amazing to have you on. Thank you uh, for taking the time. You got a lot of stuff going on right now. And so <laughs> squeezing this in, is, we're super blessed and grateful to have you on. Thank you. Absolutely. In fact, you can say I dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> San Diego representing. That's right. Is that, where you, is that where you're at right now, San Diego? Yeah, I live in the mean streets of a place called Carlsbad, California. It's a little beach community. It's absolutely amazing. So I'm very blessed. Very cool. Well, maybe I was thinking we start off with talking about your book, but why don't you tell us about the movie you have coming out in the next few days? Yeah, so it's interesting. People that don't know me, I've been publishing about 78 books in 45 different languages. And I did one a few years ago called Think and Grow Rich, Thick Ability. It's the power to persevere. And one of the cats I, I sat down with is a Frank Shanklin, and he started a nonprofit called Make-A-Wish. And at the end of the interview, I go, hey, Frank, I got to know, what did you ask for? And he goes, no one ever asked me. I go, I want to be the guy who grants your wish. I go, what do you want? And he said, I just want my story to be told so my grandkids will know I did something. Six years, millions of dollars from a knucklehead that knows nothing about movies. And a week from now, we launched literally nationwide in theaters called Wishman. Wow. What's the URL for that? We'll make sure we get that in the show notes so people can learn where it's playing near them. Yeah, you can Google it anywhere. It'll pop up. It's just wishmanmovie.com. Oh, that's amazing. My niece had... Uh had cancer a few years ago and they did a whole thing. She went to Europe with my brother and his other kids because of Make-A-Wish. That's an incredible foundation. So to hear that story, 
man, that's exciting. And you being kind of on the front lines to hear it all, I bet was a huge blessing. Yeah, it's, it's always the stories behind the story because, again, you're talking about the end result. Yeah. But people don't know the story when he was 12 years old and abandoned and all the different stuff he's gone through his life. The whole moral of this movie is that everyone can be a hero. Look at it. <laughs> regular cop with no money could do one act of kindness and have a ripple effect. We can give a homeless guy a pair of socks or we can do something to be a value to other people. It's interesting how life sometimes starts out with us being interested in ourselves and yeah. And after self-interest and after what's in it for us, how it completely shifts to the true like fulfillment and achievement comes from making the most difference in other people. <laughs> That's it. I mean, what would we get a better kick from? Getting an hour, an hour, dollar an hour raise at work or watching your kid accomplish some great feat. We always get more energy and exhilaration from other people's success. Yeah. But for some reason, we're you know selfish animals. So. Yeah. There's another thing too, though. Some people get a selfish behavior like myself making this movie by granting other people's wishes and doing stuff. So it's, it's kind of like a two-edged sword. But I know we're here to talk about one of my books. I think we're going to talk about Wealth Made Easy. Yeah, the one that most recent one. Yeah, obviously 78 is quite a feat. Talk to us about, I had questions that maybe kind of transition from the movie to the book. Because I know the book is taking a different spin because obviously the title is Wealth Made Easy, so you can assume what it would be about. However, from what you discover, there's a lot of kind of counterintuitiveness, right, to when a wealthy is, what rich is, and what those people think and, and do. So that's what was my first question is, what is your understanding of wealth and success relative to what you've learned from this most recent project? Okay, so out of all the books I've ever written, and every time I ever talked about wealth and money, 100% I was wrong. This will be very clear. So what this book did was gave me a new paradigm where I saw things from a different perspective. So what I did is I sat down with people worth $100 million to billions of dollars and said, look, let's cut to the crap. How, how did you do it? I don't care about what you read or what you ate. What did you do? And I realized I could sit with people for three hours and three days and at the end of it, I go, so what you're saying is you did this. And I reduce it down to one page. And they go, that's exactly it. And I went, great. So I went to the next person, next person. So every one of these wealth hacks is one page long. So if you want to know how oil works or the internet or anything from you know, sunken treasure to gold mines, this book delves into each category. So the regular person go, oh, that's how it works. And that's what we did. So what's the counterintuitiveness of it? Like, have you? It sounds like everything's changed for you. So your understanding of what success was and wealth was throughout a couple of decades now makes a massive shift in one book. So how would you summarize that in like in a page? I'll do it in a little bit longer because you're kind of getting to the end of the story. It's kind of like everyone watching this. <laughs> you're watching a movie and you got to sit for an hour and a half and you get to the end of it. That's what we're getting to right now. And what's interesting is I sat down with one multi-billionaire. And I asked him, I says, you know, why are you a billionaire and I'm not? I go, I'm just as smart as you. I take as much action. And he looked at me and said, that's easy. He goes, the problem is that you believe all the lies that you spread to the world. He says, you are the person who brings people down. You are the person who keeps everyone broke and we appreciate it. He goes, would you do us a favor and continue that message? <laughs> and I go, what? And he says, you're the purveyor of the greatest lie that was ever told. It says to go find your passion and the money will follow. He goes, keep making more bumper stickers and t-shirts. We love when you tell people that. 
And I looked at him and said, what do you mean? He says he pulled out a, a phone and had a meme on it. And then one of mine, and it says, follow your passion and not a paycheck. That's why you're broke. And I went, what? He goes, here's your problem. He goes, you'll find a welder who works their whole life. They're admirable. They retire with some money. And then they go to a Tony Robbins seminar. They get fired up and open a yogurt shop because it's their passion. 95% of businesses that fail the first year isn't because they're not passionate or they're taking action. He's a welder, not a yogurt guy. And he goes, but what's cool, he goes, when they go under, it's their baby, their passion. They hold on so much, so long, they don't let go, yep. that they pull their house and their car and their boat. And he goes, we come in and buy that for pennies on the dollar. He goes, God bless you. He goes, that momentum going. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, we're a game of Frogger. We ride a log, and as soon as it dips, we jump to the next log. We can never go down with the ship. We don't care. It's just business. And he goes, we capitalize on all these opportunities, and we get so much wealth. We use that money to finance our passion. He goes, you guys do it in reverse. He goes, but we own the coliseums and the football teams that everyone following their passion is literally giving their lives for for a couple million dollars down on the field. He goes, it's such a different thing. He goes, the sheiks in the desert, the Gettys, they have no passion for crude oil. Waste management has no passion for dirty diapers and rotten cheese. The aggregate dealers have no passion for sand to build the freeways. But they built every university, the ballet, the arts, everything that you know and love. And he goes, so stop your thinking and change the way you look at things. How have you identified their forte? I mean, maybe you don't call it passions, but strengths or their experiences. Or how do you summarize? Because that totally makes sense, right? Okay. Because The rabbit hole that you're about to go down to is, what, again, what I used to teach, and it is incorrect. Yeah. So it is not that. It's almost everyone, they fell into something, asked backwards, and they capitalized on it. And what happens is this. What if God in the universe was very generous? And what if everything we ever asked for, everything we ever prayed for was given to us, but we didn't like the packaging, so we sent it away? Only thing billionaires do differently is they don't mind the way it comes to them. Let me give you an example. If I sat there and said, God, I need 100 bucks, please. I'll do anything for $100. A pickup truck pulls up in front of my car, says, hey, I'm running late. You do me a favor, get all these aluminum cans out of the back. You can take them and cash them in. It's worth 100 bucks. You go, get those stinky things out. I prayed. I asked. It was delivered. I didn't like the packaging. I sent it on its way. Successful people have reticular activator, and they say, be careful what you ask for because you might just get it, and they're not so particular how it was brought. But the people that made the most money, again, how much passion did the guy who created the cardboard box or the trash bag or all the things that the richest people in the world, they didn't have passion and talents. What they did is they saw an opportunity, a desire, a need that was gone unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And they stepped in and did something about it. And they're the people that we tell the stories about. Yeah. So looking at their ability to see the world that way, wouldn't you consider that a strength or coming from experience? Because you're totally right. It's like it's capitalizing on you know, understand what human behavior is, right? People are looking for solutions, but also people pursue their passions and the emotional, they're driven by their emotions. They don't have those in check. How do you master, how have you maybe mastered that just experiencing what made them successful? How have you taken that and started to master your own businesses? My entire life has changed. I mean, it's almost incomprehensible how much it has changed at that part. Huh. So it's, it's interesting because I just started seeing things from a different viewpoint. I remember I sat down with this other billionaire guy and I says, I got the same thing. Why are you a billionaire? I'm not. And he goes, because you'll see the same situation as we do, but you just don't have the wealth mindset. And I, I said, give me an example. He says, because here's a guy that wants to buy a plane. 
here's a knucklehead that wants to sell a plane. Because you're such a nice guy, you're going to put the two together. I go, yeah. And he goes, you're an idiot. What? He goes, here's what we do. We are very clear in our intention. And we go to the guy and says, hey, I understand you want to sell your plane. I don't know anyone that wants to buy one, but if I find someone, will you give me a 20% commission? The guy goes, heck yeah, I got to get rid of this thing. You know, the other person say, I don't know anyone that wants to sell a plane, but if I find you that, will you give me three airline tickets to Hawaii once a year? He goes, heck yeah, I've always wanted a plane. And they, <laughs> it's the exact same action, except one has a wealth mindset and the other doesn't. That's interesting. It's kind of like the broker of opportunity. <laughs> well, okay. So again, I can keep going back. Yeah. What I'm telling you is that 100% of every billionaire I met did not go into a passion field industry. They found an opportunity and they capitalized on it. The founder of Chick-fil-A, 1.4 billion, threw a cat before he died. He goes, look, I had this little tiny restaurant called The Dwarf. It had two seats and a thing. He goes, I had no idea making this chicken sandwich would go on to be the juggernaut. Same thing for the next person, the next person, the next person. No one sat there and said, oh, I'm the great mobile home park guru because I had so much passion for mobile homes. <laughs> that way, guys. And, but these are the people that are truly the wealthy people that have changed our environment and our surroundings. So I say we put our guns down and start going, what is possible? I'll give you an example. I've always turned down an industry called network marketing. I was probably the biggest anti-network marketing guy in my whole life. I'm 55. So I was 54. I was anti. Finally found a product. I started doing it and I crushed it. I went, holy crap, they send me little barrels of money. And I just tell my friends, I like this product. It was amazing. So now I found a new organization and I just became a president of it. And I'm going to get behind full force because I see now an opportunity of something I was shooing away before. And I also look back and go, how many millions, millions of dollars have I walked away from because I didn't like the packaging in which it came? Why were you so afraid of that industry or what was the... What was kind of the mental thing going on where you were not necessarily in or bought into network marketing? I just kept seeing the same results. People would start something, build it, and then the companies would have a etch sketch and they'd shift it out and people have to go back and start over. I, I saw the way that the industry was ran. It's interesting. Even in the movie industry, when I went into it, I go, look, I cannot change Hollywood. I know nothing about Hollywood, nor can I change it, but I can change distribution. It's the ugly step, kid. And it's actually the most powerful part, but no one's even paying attention to it. So my movie is the first one in the history of the world that I know of that closed a distribution deal like we did. No one ever did. When we did books, same thing. I went, you know, Sharon Lecter and I took three feet from gold and we did a joint venture deal with a company called Barnes & Noble Bookstores where they published our book, the first one in history. And we did a JV deal with them. Who's got a bigger email list, me or Barnes & Noble? Marginal. I realized by using these leverage points, amazing things and opportunities can start coming up. Huh. All right. So maybe talk about a couple other actionable things so that listeners can more intrigue. I mean, I'm already intrigued in the book to my list, but what are maybe some other actionable things that listeners yeah. would gain by understanding your new perspective or paradigm? Okay. I'll give an example. The power of dirt. It's interesting. Talking to... Uh, Steiner, the guy who started Steiner Sports, all the sports memorabilia. They were you know, selling shoes like Derek Jeter for 300 bucks because one wanted them autographed. But they realized when there was dirt on them and they were game used, they could sell them for $3,000. So when they started tearing down the stadiums, he would go and buy the dirt and then all of a sudden package it in pens and keychains and made tens. I can't even tell you how much money. <laughs> Where everyone else was literally throwing away and taking to the dump, one other person saw millions of dollars. 
the first billionaire I interviewed, I said, how did you make your billion dollars in dirt? And he says, time plus land is money. I go, what do you mean? He goes, all I do is look for a town that's growing 25% a year. Go on Google Maps, you can find it anywhere. I look for Broadway, Main Street, and I draw a line out eight miles and I buy the dirt. I rent that dirt to farmers who pay the lease, so it's free, and I get vegetables. And as the town continues to grow, it ends up on my plot. Since I'm on Main Street, that's what I sold to the big box stores for 800 times what I paid, billion dollars. And every one of these wealth hacks you read is go like, that's how it works. Seeing the future, I think that is a, a skill set that has made a lot of people a lot of money. So where does that start? Can that see in the future? Eh, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm sorry. I think that's but that for some of these people, other people sees an opportunity and they go for it. They have no idea how it's going to be. I mean, if, if vision was true, that means then MySpace should be the greatest success story of all time. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right? So that's not true. Visionaries, all we do differently is we're like a quarterback. We never throw the football where the wide receiver is standing. We throw it downfield and let the wide receiver run. We call it being kind to your future self. So what we do is an actionable step today that down the road will have a success blueprint. Right now, look, if you go on to my stuff, I look like the most popular kid in town, and that's awesome. But people don't see that five years ago, I started winding up and throwing the football, and now it's just all coming to be. And so the whole idea is that I've been throwing footballs downfield for years, and now, coincidentally, they're all coming down at the same time. So it looks really cool. But the real reality is oh, there was a lot of preparation behind it. So are, are you saying a visionary is important, right? There, I would say there's those that have those type of ideas that can see things that others don't. Yet, if it was them and only them executing those ideas, you'd ultimately have different results than if you had others that were part of the team helping to execute. Yes. And also being first to market is an old brand type concept from the horse and buggy days, it's not true. Right now, no one wants to be first to market. That's kind of the kiss of death. Yep. If you look at even Amazon, how great it turned out when Alibaba came instantly success and they just being second to market, put all the working things that worked for them and put right to the jump to the front of the line. And it's really interesting when you start seeing this, being first to market, it's almost you should, if you're smart, Start looking at what other people are doing and having some success or failure and then adding your own spin to it and going, rather than reinvent the wheel, just put a new hubcap on it. So how did you, you know, maybe talk about your role with the movie, because I'm assuming you haven't made a movie before, but yet you had the idea. So how did you pull that off? Well, I didn't have the idea. Frank, the founder of Make-A-Wish had the idea. That's his dream. So I sat there and said, I will grant your wish. That's you it. extracted the idea from him. Is that safe to say? Yeah, it was his idea. Again, I asked him what his wish was, and his wish was to have his story to be told into a movie. So yeah. I granted that wish. And so what I did is I said, well, sign over your life rights. I go, the only challenge is I've never made a movie, but I will make it happen. <laughs> and so I had no idea what I was doing. And I got on the internet. I Google people that just won Oscars. I people <laughs> that make movies. And I went and met with everyone. I said, how does this work? How does the game work? And I duplicated those actions. And here we are today. Look. When I want to be a best-selling author, everyone listen to this. This is my one thing. When I want to be a best-selling author, I didn't go to people who wrote great books. I didn't want to be a great writing author. I went to Barnes & Noble. I bought every best-selling book. And I called those people and said, how did you do that? How did you do that? Yep. And that's who I sought counsel for. When I went to Africa, 
and climbed in some in Mount Kilimanjaro. I did not ask some dope smoking surfer down here in La Jolla to take me up the mountain. I found a surfer that had climbed it 900 times. Wherever they put their blueprint, I put my blueprint. I followed the successful action. Again, all I'm doing now, even with this wealth thing, again, compared to these guys, I'm insignificant. But in my world, I've gone 10X'd it in this last year by simply taking these same actions that they taught me but doing something crazy and applying it. Well, let's maybe end on a couple of things. I know you you have ton going on. I really appreciate your valuable time. What would you say regarding the idea that very wealthy and successful people are book readers, that they are always reading, always trying to get ideas? Is there any truth to that? It's an absolute and utter lie. So actually, again, if you're back in the horse and buggy days and you lit your house with candles, that was probably true. And you see all these lying memes too. And these lying memes say, wealthy people have big libraries and poor people have big TVs. It is all lies. And so the whole thing it comes down to is people that consume information. They're the people that are the trendsetters and the successful people. So for example, I've written more books than I probably read, but I read information every day on my phone and I get news updates and I'm pretty knowledgeable and hang out with scientists and all these amazing people. And I realize it's the consumers of information that are successful. It doesn't make a difference to the modality or the medium in which you get. What are you looking for in that information? You know, it's so funny. One of the people I interviewed was the founder of Priceline. We do something called info sponging. What that means is he was reading an article one time. It's just arbitrary information. And it was talking about how fruits and vegetables go bad. And he goes, once they're done, what do you do with it? It's It's a useless product. And then he was reading another one about the way of travel. When the airline closes the doors, they can't sell that seat anymore. And he said, hmm, I got something here and put those two together. He took two completely different things, info sponge, and put them together. And that's what we do. Because I constantly, I'll go down and to the bookstore, I'll buy an Ebony magazine. And over here, I'll buy a Latina Light. And over here, I'll buy Science Today. And over here is Discovery Magazine. And I put all this information in my head, especially stuff I'm not knowledgeable about, because now all of a sudden I have a little bit of it and maybe I can start seeing things a little bit different. But all we know is all we know. And if all we do is put the same content and information, then that's all we'll have access to. (laughs) Okay. So what are you up to next? Obviously, you have your movie. You said you had a few more books there that were coming about. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So I just did a book uh, release a couple months ago called The Tokens. World international bestseller. The Wealth Made Easy right now is crushing it, by the way. This is, Wealth Made Easy is my favorite book. I want to be very clear. I've done all, a lot of books. It's my favorite book. If anyone I could recommend one book, would be that. After that's three feet from gold. You told us a moment ago that all the other books were lies. This one was the one that kind of when had your paradigm shift to show it. When it comes to wealth. Yeah. So the other parts we're talking about, passion and success and living a purpose-filled life. And that part of it is true. But what I thought was important, again, to make money, what you do is you follow your passion to a paycheck, all that crap. So that's what I wrote. It's not true. So what I'm saying is the passion part's still there and the purpose part's still there, but just the wealth part isn't. You might get rich, by the way, but you just won't be wealthy. Two different things. And then I've got a book coming out with Sharon Lecter. Her and I wrote a book called Three Feet from Gold about 10 years ago. We got a follow-up. Pretty exciting. It's called Success and Something Greater. Now, this book, wow. Napoleon Hill, right before he died, he was going to write a book called Success and Something Greater and never got it done. He passed away. 
So the foundation and the family gave Sharon and I that title. And so we have Think and Go Rich, Success and Something Greater coming out where we sat down with amazing humans and, and we did their secret sauce, so to speak, towards a life of sustained abundance. And that comes out on September 14th in Vegas for an event. And then the 15th, I get a star in the Walk of Fame in Las Vegas in front of the Paris Hotel on the sidewalk. So that's coming up. And then, oh, we got a book called The Mastermind Association. And then the mastermindassociation.com, where we're teaching people how to run mastermind groups. Trust, if I went down the list, it'd be too much. There's just a lot of stuff. Google, Greg S. Reed. You'll love it. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll tell your friends. <laughs> all right, Greg. Well, we're going to post all those links in uh, show notes. Thank you again for all of your, all of your time. This has been uh, really interesting. Hopefully, it's intrigued and piqued the interest of, of others that are listening. So any final words before we let you go? Yeah, you didn't see this coming, did you? <laughs> No, I mean, I love counterintuitive. I mean, I love just, heck, I always look at life as kind of like a paradox. There's so many paradoxes in life where we think a certain way, but actually it turns out to be the opposite. And so it's just, that's, it's, and that's, I, that I love seems, that. Yeah, that seems to be the life journey right now is keep going on this thing. And I want to unlearn. I just want to unlearn because there's this thing called fact of fiction. There's a book that I'm going to write. And it's so interesting. We're just taught so many things as truth but there's no such thing as truth. <laughs> what we believe to be true at the given time. So at one time, the world was flat. That was a truth and a fact. Yeah. There was a time when you could catch AIDS from a toilet seat, and people believe that. There was a time that Pluto was a planet. There was a time. So the stuff that we've been taught over the years, just because we're put into our head, doesn't mean it's true. And so what I like to do is go unlearn and then learn for myself from truth and reality. Well, it sounds like there was a lot of unlearning in just, writing this book. And so it'll be cool to see how that influences the other stuff that you're, uh, that you're doing. All right. Well, thanks for having me. On. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Greg. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Oh,